Hello everyone, this is Karin Takar and welcome to the Zenergy Podcast. Over the past decade, India has done an impressive job of integrating renewable energy into its energy mix. For this Fulbright podcast series, I sought to investigate the enabling factors and potential of India's global leadership in renewable energy with the focus on solar. This Fulbright series is broken down into four seasons. In this season, through conversations with 10 leading social entrepreneurs and development experts, we will illustrate how renewable energy in India has taken off at the rural level. Not only will the series provide insight into their fascinating entrepreneurial journey, but also how they've been able to overcome the financing, consumer awareness, and distribution challenges associated with rural solar energy deployment at a large scale. In this episode, I'll be speaking with Gaurav Mehta of Dharma Life, who also is a leading member of the Forum of Young Global Leaders of the World Economic Forum. To date, Dharma Life has created a network of more than 16,000 rural entrepreneurs, more than 75% of which are women, and have established a presence in over 40,000 villages across 13 states. In this conversation, we explore the Dharma Life business model and also Gaurav's journey in this space. If you have difficulty understanding some of the words due to audio quality, a link to the transcript is posted in the show notes below. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I enjoyed speaking with Gaurav. What happened one day is I somehow, you know, was sitting in a New York um, luxury hotel uh, having one of our dinners uh, for for the private equity fund. Um, I, had, I was the only vegetarian in that room, and I was the only one having that meal. One week later, I was sick, had an abscess in my liver, was um, you know, kind of struggling to survive. Luckily, you know, it all went uh, you know, okay, but it was a close call. But I decided on that day that uh, when, when this was happening, that if I do survive this, I would want to try to make a difference. For people listening... Can we start at the beginning? So can you tell us a little bit about your background, where you grew up, where you went to college, and your early hobbies and passions? Yeah, sure. So, yeah, so I was born and brought up in Germany. I went to school here and studied in France. did my undergrad in business studies in French and focused on strategic management and finance. And then after my undergrad, I worked actually in the investment banking. I worked in I was long standing for three years, focused on healthcare and other areas, and then I worked on uh, private equity and sometimes with General Atlantic. Uh, while I was in the private equity space, well, actually, when I was in banking itself, I had also done an NGO called Sotlam, the NGO fighting illiteracy in India. And I was working with them part time, helping them fundraise, working on some of the strategy components. So while I was at Sotlam, there was a couple of ideas. You know, I think the challenges we faced, one was around livelihood and uh, the other was around uh, how do we move uh, the learning journey from literacy to, towards include math. Oh, interesting. So the idea around life, livelihood actually was super interesting. So, I mean, what's were interesting. So one, I actually worked on, on a startup to design an e-learning platform for math there. And then the other thing was then livelihood. So we were looking at how can we create livelihood for our women workforce in the villages. And so I quit my job in 2008 decided to go for an MBA, went to run business school, and then started working during the classes and courses on the idea of 
of uh, how do we create livelihoods for women in the region. And then we came up with this model around through women entrepreneurship, which today is my life. And we, we put it through the classes, tested the pilot in the summer, in the years, and uh, launched it. Yeah, and then actually I moved to India to work on that. And um, just to get some timelines, so you graduated college when exactly? And then when did you start? 2002. Okay, 2002. And then you worked in investment banking for three years. And then you transitioned over to private equity. And like, as you were doing private yeah. equity, you also on the side were working with these NGOs in... Actually, from my first year in, in the banking, so right after college, I started working on that. So. This is really interesting for me personally, because I also plan on going into banking once this Fulbright ends. And I was like, yeah. I was wondering how, because the hours I assume are quite extreme. So you managed to be able to so do banking and then on the side work with an NGO? Yeah, they were very supportive. Oh, they were very... So you founded the NGO or were you working with an NGO in existence? Well, I founded a new chapter for an existing NGO. Like what was the motivation behind getting involved with the NGO initially, at least? Like was there anything that spurred that initial interest or was it just a natural thing? Actually, during my undergrad, I did an internship. Uh, I actually spent some time in, I mean, in India every year. So I refused to go once a year, but then before... In my final year, I did an internship in, just before the final year, between the third and fourth year, I did an internship in India, in Delhi. But basically, you know, that kind of changed. I mean, that experience was, I mean, the work was great, but at the same time, I also got exposed to, you know, living in Delhi and also, you know, you see the poverty much in a very different way. And, and so that, that was kind of experience. I decided that I want to do something mm-hmm. about Wow, that's that's really interesting. Yeah, because I'm just coming at it from the perspective of, like, I feel like a lot of people have this desire to do good work, but then they kind of get sucked up, or they have this attitude, like, even I have this attitude sometimes where I'll do this work down the line, let me just first initially build, like, myself up, make money early in my career, and then down the line, I'll essentially give back in some capacity. but. I feel like you managed to work on this and also build a career. So I feel like there's something unique. Is it so is that experience in Delhi, but is there anything from growing up or anything that really pushed you towards doing this? Or was that experience the main one and then you just decided to if that- so actually what was happening is I always wanted to do something in this space. I mean, because you know I, I in that sense, uh I mean, I, it was something I was always passionate about, even as a kid. And then what happened was, when I was doing my internship, actually my family was into the uh, education. The family was funding a set up of a, a school in Delhi, in okay. Gurgaon, actually. And in that context, you know, I was exposed to that. And then how I joined from them. Amazing. Kind of how the girls connected. Amazing. And then what essentially led you to transitioning out of banking and private equity and then going to start Dharma Life and working on that full-time? Well, I, I went to a personal health issue. I had mm-hmm. something wrong to eat. Uh, okay. And then uh, had an infection because of that. I was lucky to survive it. If I do survive it, I will try to 
changed my time at Ukraine. You know, I was working mostly in private equity and then spending mm-hmm. 10, 20 percent of my time on the nonprofit mm-hmm. and decided that if I do survive and I want to change the, the dynamics and work mostly on the social side and then some part of my time on the private equity space. So that's why I quit my job. Wow, that's powerful. When you guys did come, you and your partners, when you came to India, so how did you approach that initial process to like figure out what model you wanted to employ? So I mean, we came up with the idea during the courses, and then we came to India to actually just explore, you know, how it would work, how to set up. So we we completely we, we kind of spent a lot of a few quite a few months on actually meeting different people mm-hmm. across all the areas we wanted to analyze, and um, that helped us. And these conversations and and the guidance we got from various friends and allowed us to kind of design and set up the model. Now we will briefly zoom out and listen to Gora explain the five key pillars of the Dharma Life model at a TED Talk he delivered earlier this year. Let's hear what he has to say. He said, well, we believe that Actually, we can do this by, you know, if you talk to the women and give them some sort of profession which makes which is respected in the village. So we came up with the idea of, you know, giving them a role where they would help the community improve the quality of life. And this was by giving them kind of products which are socially impactful. So we looked at what are the problems in villages, um, and they were around, you know, indoor air pollution, they were around access to energy, they were around menstrual hygiene, as has been talked about a lot um, in, in the recent movie, Batman, but uh, which has been a common problem. And they were around even women, uh, girls going to school, and uh, many things around that. So we put together a portfolio of things they could do. And we, after training them, we asked them to do this. But in the first step, actually, we said, well, through this profession, we should be able to give them a respected role in society, and this should give them a platform. So that was the first step. So we said we believe ourselves that we can actually do this. Um, the second step was, and I'll give an example here, where, um, you know, there's a lady, I quote, her name is Asha. She's a, a widow in, um, widower, recent widower, whose husband, you know, passed away recently. She's from Bombay. She was from a village in Satara, but lived in Bombay. And she moved back with two little girls. One of the key learnings was that we felt that the leadership is within. So if we find the best way to kind of inspire a woman uh, would be to give her examples of others who have made it. So we picked this lady. We gave, showed her stories of others who have made it. And you know, now this lady is, you know, she believed in herself. She's now one of the most respected women in that community and everyone knows her. So the second step in the framework is inspiring women to, you know, kind of inside out move forward and be confident. The third step we came up with was you have to create an enabling environment. So it means that, you know, giving them training, giving them the tools to actually be able to do this. So in our case, what we did is we created a training module which was experiential. So it meant that we would kind of look at putting them in various simulations, other environments, meeting other peer groups, and through that, kind of build their confidence. And so there's many examples in this as well, but basically it means that you give them the tools to to kind of work on this. The next one was, you know, even if you train a woman, you inspire her to do this. The other thing is, you actually need to work on the family. So what we found in the village environment was, there's a lot of obstacles, right? So if a, if a woman wants to step out of the house, and this varies between North and South India, 
you know, mostly the, there's a lot of people who stop her, right? So it would be the mother-in-law, if she's married, it would be the father-in-law, it could be her husband, right? So, I mean, the key thing to do here is to kind of figure out how do you convince them, right? And uh, this is something, you know, you have to do in, in this process. So it, you cannot do it fully. At the end of the day, she has to do it herself. But, I mean, at least when we do this, we actually kind of talk to them, show them examples. And uh, one of the most amazing examples recently was, I met one of our women entrepreneurs and she said, her husband actually came to me and said, you know, I used to be, no, we used to be known by my name in the family, but after this experience, now people know me by my wife's name. So that's kind of, uh, this was the big change we saw. That was something which was respectful for the whole family. And that is how you kind of flip this around. So through some of the activities, you can actually achieve that. The other thing which is most important, that's the fifth step in this, is how do you create their identity, so respect for them. Again, one of the examples I quote was one of the ladies we worked with, she uh, recently took her father to Delhi for a speech. We invited her for an innovation summit, and she was flying on a, she took a plane. So the father basically then after that had never been on a flight. He said, my son has never done this, and my daughter has been able to take me on a flight to, De to Delhi. And so these are small things which kind of help us do this. And I think just to repeat, the five steps are, you know, believe in yourself and convince the stakeholders of the program to be able to do this. The second one is to inspire to be able to do this. So it's an inspiration that they, you know, bring out and uh, their own confidence and, and move forward. The third one is to create an enabling environment in their family, with the family and community. The fourth one is to give them the tools. And the fifth one is to provide them an identity and recognize their efforts. And to my understanding, Dharma Life has created a network of more than 16,000 rural entrepreneurs to date. And yeah. that's so impressive in what, just an eight-year time, time span? It's been like the key to being able to scale to get to so many entrepreneurs. It's been constant iteration, right? I mean, you have to keep evolving the model and redesigning the model, evolving yourself. And I think that, that's been the key. I think it's something, there's no one simple formula. It's actually more about, you know, how can you, how can you iterate the models? I think we've gone through four or five major iterations of the model right, over the years. I see. And also Anjali mentioned to me, like how you, how Dharma Life has specifically developed like this very strong, like solid, entrepreneurship development program. Can you talk a, a little bit yeah. about this? Yeah, absolutely. So it's actually been, you know, I see I've talked quite a lot on this program. It's a program which helps us train the entrepreneurs focused mm -hmm. on all the skills which are highlighted. But also it's a program which kind of experiential from a training perspective and we're now trying to visually enable it. So it's, it's really about developing the individual entrepreneur and helping her kind of start this, on this journey as well as also going you know, in the family and so getting their buy-in, getting them to be aligned, supporting her because her husband also, you know, kind of is part of it in supporting her. So what exactly are the components? So it's experiential learning? It's basically a mixture of training uh, them peer-to-peer -peer exchange, right, with other entrepreneurs, mentoring, and how long how long does it usually take to train, like say, a single entrepreneur? Or like, how long does one training program usually go for? It's, you know, there's an initial two months, uh, initial two three day training block, and then there's a, a two to six month journey. But 
the women develop over over years. It's actually the experience which over time which which helps this um, development. And can you talk a little bit about the positive impacts? I mean, you did mention this a little bit, but of like how how these programs kind of change the women or. Um, First, when they start off, they, they actually have to build their own confidence, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they have, a lot of times they have not worked as entrepreneurs before, right? Or they have not worked outside the house, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's this, so first is actually to build their confidence and also link to that identity in the village, right? Basically, you know, it starts off slowly, but then over time, she develops that. And then apart from that, once that is done, there's the, there's the financial impact, right? On her, mm-hmm. on her family. And then post that, actually, they, they become, I mean, she starts really having impact, having impact on the causes itself. With the energy access, she'll be the, I mean, she'll be known in the village for that. And you know, she grows, but becomes a change maker herself. Let's again zoom out and transition over to a conversation with Anjali Garg, who manages the IFC Lighting Asia India team and was instrumental in terms of helping to develop this training program. Let's now hear some insights from Anjali. Uh, so the Dharma life, again, it was a very, very interesting story when we, uh, you know, started talking to Gaurav uh, about his uh, company and about his business. We realized that one of the issues that he was facing was high levels of attrition mm-hmm. amongst his uh, entrepreneurs, so they're known as Dharma life entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. And we said that, you know, before we even decide to work together, we want to explore this. We want to understand you know, the issues that you are facing on the ground. Mm-hmm. And that's how it all started. We, as a team, we went onto the ground. We met with the entrepreneurs. We saw the business. And so, so the decision, again, a joint decision that we all agreed was to, you know, start from the basics and, you know, help Dharma Life come up with a proper plan and strategy to hire the entrepreneurs. Okay. So the objective was, you know, to also provide Dharma Life a solution to this problem, which was easy to implement and scale up. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to help them identify the right entrepreneurs and then equip these entrepreneurs with appropriate business and personal skills and tools to be able to effective in what they are trying to do. So it, it, it went all the way from starting a need assessment with Harmalife Entrepreneurs, which I think we did in Bihar, where it was actually planning to hire and join more women to join the distribution channel as entrepreneurs. So one thing with Life was that they already had women entrepreneurs in their team and they really wanted to expand on that. They, uh, Gaurav and Life both believed in this model and they really wanted to have more and more women join them as Life Entrepreneurs. So it was it was our goal to help them achieve this. And we, as I said, we started with a needs assessment to first understand where the whole problem was, and you know, then to help Dharma Life identify the right entrepreneurs. There was a tool that we created for that, and then we designed a customized entrepreneurship training solution. We had an IFC training methodology mm-hmm. that we used, but we developed a training and an entrepreneurship model which focused, as I said, on business skills. Uh, and on marketing skills and not so much on the technical skills of uh, of the product because that's something with Dharma Life and the company bring to the table. But the focus here was to give the right business skills to these entrepreneurs so that they can actually sell the product and, you know, and maintain their basic accounts and finance uh, and stuff. 
So the main consideration as I said was to offer a holistic scalable solution mm-hmm. to dharmalize to identify and train these women entrepreneurs. And then we did similar thing that we've done with others, which is, you know, we ensured that they had the right product linkages. They were connected to quality solar manufacturers. Mm-hmm. Then we built consumer awareness and we went and Dharma Life used our consumer awareness campaign to actually build up its network. Okay. So we had identified the geographies jointly with all our, all our partners on the name. And then Dharma Life decided that, you know, these are the states that we also want to expand to and we will create a network of entrepreneurs, of Thermalife entrepreneurs in these areas. Hmm. And then these entrepreneurs then who are present in these villages are able to convert the newly generated awareness and interest into product sales. So it, 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 it okay. again was it's, a very holistic yeah, approach where we started from scratch and, you know, converting it into an actual sale. I so I think the big achievement for us with Dharma was that, you know, Dharma Life had a network of entrepreneurs, I think, which was below 5,000 or or around 5,000 entrepreneurs in 2015. Mm-hmm. And in 2019, it is 16,000 entrepreneurs. And of which I think 70, 75% are women. Are women. Yeah. And, and Dharma Life has taken it, you know, to a completely different level by using the entrepreneurship and the training program that we created to formalize it and they have now delivering it to all the entrepreneurs that they bring on board they've really been able to scale it up to a level uh, which which has been an amazing thing for us to to be partners the implementation has been strong so what were some of the just really briefly what were some of the key reasons why the attrition rates were low Sure. So I think one of the reasons, as I said, was, you know, how do you really identify these entrepreneurs? Are you going into a village and just putting up a camp and saying, they're okay. hiring entrepreneurs or whoever wants to. And so what, what is that process? So, you know, if you're getting a form filled, what is the basic information that you want to get before you then identify or select an entrepreneur? Mm-hmm. Is there some basic education requirement? Uh, do you want to know what is the standing of that entrepreneur? in the village or the household, you know, how do you really check what is, what is the basic motivation of that person to become an entrepreneur? So those are the kind of things, you know, that was one part of it on how you select, because Mm -hmm. if you select wrongly, then attrition will be high. Mm -hmm. And the second part is that you selected an entrepreneur, but you're not able to give them the right product. If you're not able to give them the right training to be able to sell those products, and Dharma Life, as you know, focuses not just on solar lighting products. They have a product basket. Uh, there are multiple products that they focus on. So, you know, so you're giving them the right product, but are you giving them the right skills mm-hmm. to be then able to make, to be able to earn an income out of that business? You know, you, you're becoming an entrepreneur, but what are you doing with that? So, you know, that, that's how the training part came into okay. place. And then, and then, you know, how do you, leverage all of that to give them more work. And I think Dharma Life, again, enabled their entrepreneurs to be tech-savvy. I think most of them have a tablet or a smartphone. They take orders online. And also, they're using these entrepreneurs to do data collection mm-hmm. and to analyze that data and then, you know, turn it into uh, analysis and insights that others would find useful. Mm-hmm. So I think there is, there is so much that uh, Dharma Life has been able to do with these entrepreneurs. And our work with them, as I said, it has been over the years, but, you know, the real scale-up has been done by Dharma itself. I see. We've I done see. the initial yeah. training, but they've done the, tra- we've done the training of trainers. But the real scale-up, uh, all credit goes to Gaurav and Dharma Life uh, to take this to, to where it is right now. I see. And in general... 
how much do these Dharma Life entrepreneurs earn per month? It depends really on how much time they put. It could be anywhere between 1,000 rupees to 4,000 rupees, but also higher. I think, I mean, it can go, but really depends on how, you know, do they have access to working capital, how much time are they spending, mm-hmm. what programs they're enrolled in. It could depend. I see. And in general, so they earn their salaries based on the products they sell. Is it like commission-based or? Yes, margins, incentives. So now just going back to the personal side of things. So in terms of your current drives and motivation, just reflecting back working like on Dharma Life, which has done extremely well, what would you say like some of the more rewarding things of this journey have been to you as a person? Yes, for me, it's just been a privilege to work on this uh, in the sense, I mean, trying to help around the cause. And yes, it's been a privilege to do this. I think there's been a lot of ups and downs in the journey. I think it's still, there's still a learning organization. We're still trying to evolve mm-hmm. and improve and it's far from perfect. I mean, there's been lots of highlights. I hope you enjoyed that episode. And do check out the show notes for more information on my guest. See you next time.